This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for April 12th, episode 2910. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this endurance episode. We appreciate you being here. And we're getting into endurance season, too, all across the country. We sure are. Even your snow might melt soon. I know. (laughs) We got new snow yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, middle of April, why not? You know, it's like... (laughs) Well, we're going to talk a lot about endurance today, and we're going to learn about something that's a little different, and that's ride and tie. Rufus Schneider's joining us to talk to us about how ride and tie works. In case you're a runner and a rider and really want to uh, show off both skills, that's the event for you. Plus, Susan is joining us. She's the Southeast Region Director for the American Endurance Ride Conference, and she's going to tell us all about the Southeast Rides, the ones down in my neck of the woods coming up in 2022. Plus, Karen's going to do a training tip on the riding apps that she's been using all coming up on this episode. Now, for those that are regular regulars on the endurance episode, you know Karen's been uh, training up a couple of horses, so tell us how that's going. It's been doing going really good, actually. I've been doing, you know, I had to overcome a little bit of the trust and stubborn issues with Jovi after I had to treat him for five months for a sarcoid, which he's completely recovered over. Oh, yeah. And now we're actually hitting the trail and I've got steering, stopping, <laughs> you know, some control. So we've been doing a lot of arena work lessons combined with going out on the trail. Now, do you always go out with somebody else or do you go out by yourself sometimes? You know, we do both. And I've also done some work with um, Jovi with having my husband riding his bicycle around mm. us to get him exposed to bicycles because everybody in the neighborhood's getting e-bikes now. Yeah. So we're seeing lots of bicycles. And then I'm also going out on foot um, by myself sometimes and then sometimes my friend is riding Apollo with me and I'm also still occasionally riding Apollo myself um, trying to get myself back into shape <laughs> There's into that riding too. shape <laughs> yes and and so last week when they announced that they were starting the virtual Tevis which is where you have a hundred days to do a hundred miles with your horse and they've also got a division if you don't have a horse and you just want to do 100 miles on foot you can sign up and the funds go to help support the western states trail foundation and uh, once you complete your 100 miles you get a t-shirt for participating in completing telling me that that thing's hugely popular people are going nuts there's a lady driving her mini and all kinds of stuff 
I know. I've got friends on some of my apps that are doing it, and they're all excited. I just did my first mile for the virtual Tevis, and it's getting a lot of people out there, getting them motivated, giving them a goal to do something. And I kind of figured by the time I get, you know, another 100 miles of riding on Jovi, then, you know, we're going to progress that much more because we've really been coming along good in just the last month. Jovi, not quite ready for the real Tevis yet. So this is a good alternative. Not quite yet. My dad calls me and says, oh, my gosh, you're not taking Jovi on Tevis yet, are you? No, Dad. Did you read Did you read every word where it said virtual? virtual. No, nobody sees No, it that. just said you were going to be writing him 100 miles. It's like, no, calm down. Don't worry. We're not quite ready. Neither one of us are ready for that yet. Neither one of us are ready for Tevis. The, the real tab is, but uh, to do this, it's fine. We can do it however we want. That's kind of the fun part. We can um, just go out and record, you know, if if we want to take our horses for a hike or, you know, whatever, even doing an arena lesson, we can just turn on our GPS app or, or whatever on our phone and record it and then upload it to the site. And it automatically enters everything for us and, and it's really quite simple. It's kind of kind of a fun thing. We'll put a link for that in our show notes. Like, can they still sign up or is sign up over? You can still sign up all the way till you know July seventeenth, I believe, is the oh, Tavis. Okay. So we have between now and then to do it. You know, you can even even if you just do a mile a day, uh, you you know, it then you, miles. it works out. Or oh. you know, at this point, you you. You're only a few days behind the starting date, so you know you you could do you know just a couple of ten mile rides or five mile rides even a week. Okay, and well, cool. and still still get there. Sounds yeah. good. Well, uh, in our post show, we're gonna we're for those auditors that if, if you've signed up to become an auditor in the post show, which is immediately after this show, we're gonna talk about a little adventure that you had uh, with the horses in training them <laughs> a little desensitization adventure you had. So, yes. But you have to be an auditor to get that later on in the day. Right now, we're going to your endurance tip. So okay. let's talk about that. Okay. So I have, since I've been writing, I've been, um, again, more regularly and consistently, I've been going back to all the apps that were some of my favorites. And so I'm going to talk about three of my favorite apps that are the most reliable and that I have used for the longest with the most success. Um, you know, and there are apps that I know I've talked about before that know that they don't have them anymore. They've gone away. So these are the current ones that I've been having the best luck with. Uh, the first one is called Relive, R-E-L-I-V-E. And you can find all these apps you can find on either app store. So they will work on either Android or iPhones. And the Relive app is kind of fun. It will track your mileage, elevation, speed. And and then later, it, you know, once you stop your, your ride or your event, it will turn it into a video going, showing your route over on a topo map and if you have taken photos during during your ride you can also insert the photos and it will show you at the certain points along the trail exactly where you took those photos and the photos will pop up so that's kind of a fun fun one the next one is equilab this one records you know much of the same things as relive does um but it will show you how much time you have spent in each gate Walk, trot, canter, 
you know, it shows you how many transitions you've done. And then when you look at the map later, it'll have different colors for the different gates. So you can look at, okay, I did this trail today and, you know, mostly it'll walk because I'm, you know, I've been legging the horses up, you know, and then the next time I, I try to trot a little more so you can see your increased amount of trotting or cantering or, you know, whatever it is. It also has a voice coach so it can update like every five minutes. It will tell you um, how much time you have spent in, in a certain gate or how much time you've spent riding and your distance. And that one's free. It also, um, all these apps are free with the basic options. This one has a subscription in addition that has a safety tracking feature. So if you want someone to be able to track you live while you're riding for safety purposes, it does have a, um, an option for that. And then my favorite app that I use is called Ride with GPS. And this one has become very popular with ride managers. And we've talked about this before on the show, they have been using this to measure and mark the trail for the endurance riders, and then they download the tracks on their phone, and it actually guides them along the course. So if markings get tampered with or pulled down, there's no question. The app will tell you exactly where to go. It will even tell you if you've missed a turn. And I know great. Karen, two days ago on April the 10th, did 6.3 miles. <laughs> I did 6.3 miles. In hour, 38 minutes. I know that because I am friends with her and riding GPS, and I can keep, I, I can keep track oh, of her. You know, and you can see how slow we are. And part of our slowness is stopping to let – it's springtime, so there's green grass, and we're also – stopping to talk to people in the neighborhood when we go in and out. So our average speed is definitely not that accurate on there. So I just want to add that. I like when you post uh, pictures, though. I like that because I get to look at the pictures. Now, I use this. Jennifer uses this one, too, when she rides. And I use okay. this when I'm riding my bike. It's great for that, too. Uh, okay. Yeah. And this one's cool. I can download the GPX file from my rides, and then I can upload that into the Relive. That way I'm not running like three different apps at once because you got to watch your battery, especially once you're riding for longer mm -hmm. periods of time. You don't want to run the battery down on your phone. Right. And so that's kind of the fun thing with that is you can um, upload that later and, and then still get your relive video back, which is kind of fun to share. You're the only so, one I, I'm friends with on this app. Okay, you need to get some more on there. <laughs> So that one's so there's the three. There's uh, Relive, Equilab, and Ride with GPS. And you use Ride with GPS the most, then? Yes, yeah, so I believe it's the most accurate, at least in my area, it is. You know, but anybody needs to, you know, experiment with some of these and see which one might work best for them. And I think they're all free with an option stuff. Great, right? They are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're on both platforms. Because there were some other apps that are nice, um, but they're only available on one of the platforms. All right, good. And I'll put – so uh, in the show notes for today's episode, we'll put uh, links to each one of those as well. So that everybody okay. can refer to that. Just swipe over on your phone and click on one of those links to check them out. Right. And this is a great way to, you know, gradually, in, you know – it's a more scientific 
way to measure and know exactly, you know, how, how long you're riding your horse, how far or, you know, what gait you're in. And it's, it's a good motivator to keep you improving and trying to realize, okay, look, I've, I, you know, I've spent 80% of my last couple rides in a walk. Now I need to start purposely focusing on, I need to, you know, get this horse trotting more. Right. Very good. Well, that's great. And now we need to learn about where to keep your phone when you are riding and what options there are for that. And Kristen from Distance Depot is going to tell us about that. Well, as always, we have Kristen here with the Distance Depot. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Karen and Glenn. How are you? Hi, Kristen. Remind everybody what part of the country you're in. We are in the Midwest. We're um, just below Kansas City. We're on the Missouri side, but um, very close to the Kansas line. So oh. right smack dab in the middle. Tornado <laughs> country. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember to yes, duck. Unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So when the tornadoes and the winds come through, you have to worry about keeping your cell phone on your person. And that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> How to carry your cell phone safely while you're riding and also, you know, or your GPSs or whatever. So talk to us about Absolutely. that. What are the best ways and what, what options do you have at the Distance Depot? Oh. Okay, well, of course, we have lots of saddlebags and so on. But as you mentioned, the best way to carry your saddlebag, we have little pommel bags and so on. But the best way to carry your cell phone or your GPS unit, obviously, is on your person so that should you become separated from your horse, um, you have your cell phone. So we do offer quite a variety of things. We have the casual ankle safe which is a pretty cool little unit. It's padded and attaches with Velcro and elastic, so it's pretty comfortable to wear around your lower leg. And you can put your keys and a flashlight, of course your cell phone and money, you know, smaller things like that. So it's not super heavy and would be comfortable enough to wear all day. Um, We also have a casual trail kit, which does go on your saddle. It's padded. It sort of sits in your pommel area. It has a great place for your map and keys and that you could put your cell phone in there, but I suggest maybe using the horse holster or a carrots, um, in hand, we call it, it's the in hand fanny pack cell phone holder. Um, but basically worn around your waist, you can also put smaller items in there, hoof pick and chapstick and so on, but there's plenty of room for your cell phone in those. And the horse holster has been redesigned. It used to only be worn around your leg, basically. But now you can wear it four ways. So you can wear it. um, You can put your belt through it if you happen to be a belt user. You can put it around your upper leg or your lower leg. Um, Some people wear it around their calf. I've seen them do that. Um, You can also use their strap and wear it across your body or put it around your waist. Yeah, Jennifer uses that all the time. That's what she uses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's real big, so it will hold, if you have one of those really big cell phones, um, there's plenty of room in there. They do offer a medical horse holster also, which is handy for those people who, you know, have medical supplies that you have to carry with you because it's red and it says in case of emergency, so it would alert someone, you know, should you be in need of um, using your medical supplies. So that's kind of cool, too. Um, And, of course, tights. Um, And I think Karen mentioned earlier we were talking, and she said she likes the tights with the pockets. Mm -hmm. And so many, yeah, so many of the manufacturers now 
are offering um, pockets on the side and people are afraid they'll lose their phone. But believe me, when you have your tights on and you stuffed your phone in there, there's, you know, it's pretty hard for it to come out. They really, you know. Right. I've been writing in tights with pockets for a few years now and that's never, never happened. Never happened. So, yeah, it's very secure and so easy to reach, you know, to grab and pull out if you want to take a photo and then slip it right back in the pocket. It's super convenient. Yeah, easy access. And it's pretty comfortable, too. I've worn my my tights for a few years, too. Um, We also we have a new um, Carrots Dynamic Extended Boot Cut Trail Pant, and it has five pockets, one with a zipper. But this material on this pant is really cool. It's moisture wicking, super lightweight, but um, compressive enough not to, you know, to be, the material just makes the pant flattering. Um, But it sheds light rain. So on a misty day um, or, you know, if your hair, it it, it sheds all that. It's great material and cool that they've made a trail pant um, in a boot cut. So you can go, uh, you know, to the grocery store or wherever um, <laughs> and, not, and not feel like you're in your, you know, in, in your, your barn jammies. clothes. Uh-huh. <laughs> in your barn clothes, yeah. But they're nice looking, too. So lots of different options. Well, tell us, uh, Kristen, how would somebody get in touch with you? Well, you can call us toll free. Our number is 866-863-2349 or find us on the web www.thedistancedepot.com. Our first guest this morning is Rufus Schneider, who is a longtime Ride and Tie participant, and she's here to tell us about how Ride and Tie works along with the upcoming 50th anniversary Ride and Tie World Championship. Good morning, Rufus. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to talk to you about Ride and Tie. So uh, can you give me a little overview about, uh, for the listeners that don't know or aren't familiar with what Ride and Tie is? Um, Okay, well, Ride and Tie is a sport consisting of two people and one horse. Um, And you're out on a trail course that's been pre-marked for you. And you, at the starting line, one of the competitors is on the horse and one of the competitors is on the ground and they take off and the person on the horse obviously can go faster. So they ride ahead on the prescribed course to a point that they decide and get off and tie the horse and start running. And then the person that was on the ground obviously starts running at the start. And when they get to the horse, they untie the horse, hop on the horse. And there's two different ways to proceed. They can either ride past their horse, runner that is now on the ground in a leapfrog pash, uh, fashion and tie ahead of that runner and get off the horse and start running again. Or they can do what we call a flying exchange. When they come upon the front runner, they will hop off the horse while the front runner hops back on the horse and keep shooting the horse out and that runner out front. Um, it really depends on the team strategy, which way they do it. Obviously the horse doesn't rest as often because he's not getting tied as often but the team is also saving a lot of time, not doing as many ties. And you continue on. Um, and the, when you come to the finish line, all three team members have to come over the line for you to get your time. So like if the runner is ahead and comes over the line, their time isn't done until the horse and the back rider come over the line also. And there are vet checks in, in between. Um, there'll be a point where the rider comes in on the horse, leaves the horse for their crew, and they head off running, 
And when the back runner comes in, they have to vet the horse. The horse has criteria of heart rate and pulse and a sound trot before they can head out and go out after their front runner. Okay, so there is a bit of strategy involved then. Yes, there's actually a lot of strategy. Um, It's usually not the fastest runners win. It's the smartest fast runners because you have to take care of your horse. So that means that, you know, um, well, first of all, because a runner can't carry a horse, but a horse can carry a runner. So if you wear your horse out, there's nothing you can do about it, but, you know, slowly walk him in to finish. Um, So you want to make sure that your horse is fit and able to do the job. And then where you place the horse has a lot to do with it, too. Um, you're using all the strengths of all three teammates, the horse and both runners. So if one teammate can run hills a lot stronger, they may place the horse at the bottom of the hill and run up the hill while the other teammate comes along, gets the horse, and then takes the horse up the hill so that everybody uses their their best strengths. That makes a lot of sense. So what what kind of distances are we talking here? Um, We have... Practice riding ties anywhere from, you know, 7 to 15 miles, but to count for scoring and to accumulate mileage points, it has to be at least 20 miles. And we've had riding ties as long as 100 miles. Wow. And how much time do you have to finish? There usually is not a cutoff time. It's um, at a championship, you'll have the first place team come in anywhere around, you know, three hours and last place team, maybe eight hours. Okay. Well, and do you have any tips on if somebody wants to train their horse um, to handle the tying part? Because that's got to be kind of exciting when, you know, you you ride up to a tree and tie the horse up. And now the rest of the field is going by them. Going by. Yeah. And we use Arabs who are very competitive on their own. Um, (laughs) Uh So what I usually do, because I train the horses myself to do this event, is take a horse, you know, take your horse out that you're teaching plus three or four other horses that you know um, and riders and you just go out on a small eight-mile loop or something and you just practice tying your horse and um, having the other horses go by and come back uh-huh. across. And usually you'll stand in the background and watch and see what your horse does, see what his tendencies are, and then right. work on those. Um, one My thing- tendency would be to wrap himself around the tree. I, 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 and, yeah. and I can't you know, bring one, a big bag of alfalfa to keep him happy while I leave. I, I just see this as a nightmare in the making. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, they are competitive, so they figure out the game real quick. You'll find the, the seasoned horses, when you tie them, the first thing they do is they, stop, you know, they turn and they look for their runner, their back runner, and they start calling to them. Wow. And they'll okay. start getting kind of excited. Um, we suggest you always tie sturdy to a good branch we've had horses break free and sure. run down the trail i'm sure you're carrying a little twig with them <laughs> that they got tied to um so the first the important thing is to start at home teaching your horse to tie right right uh-huh which is a basic skill for for any horse rider <laughs> is to have your horse tied to a trailer tied to whatever you know and you should be able to walk away mm-hmm. so you have to work on that at home but then after you get them out on the course um yeah just have practice with other horses going back and forth, back and forth. And 
then reward him by letting him, you know, get untied and go after some of those horses. Like I said, after their first ride and tie, a lot of, most of them pick it up pretty quick and they'll stand there like looking for their back person going, Hey, hurry up. Come on. We gotta, we gotta go get those people. Sure. And uh, it's pretty, it's pretty cool watching that transformation. I bet. So it's, you guys kind of need to match yourselves up so that your stirrup length is kind of close enough for both of the riders. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Um, they do have a set Not of to stirrups. mention butt sizes. I mean, there is that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that. Um, yeah. Um, they have double, what they call double stirrups. Oh, okay. So if you have people of different height, they can both have a spot on and the manage. stirrup. Oh, that makes sense. That's quite Yeah, I, I found those very uncomfortable. They hit me in the shins. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, finding somebody with your same length is important. And of course, I, I'm only five foot six and a half. So I ride short horses. Um, because it's easier to get off and on. Yes, definitely. So, definitely. So, so how many riding ties somebody, have you done? How many have I done? Uh-huh. Oh, I don't know. I just hit my over 2,000 mile mark. So oh, good. I've been doing uh-huh. since 1991. So I, I, I couldn't tell you a lot. <laughs> What's the so, hardest uh, part? What's the hardest part of doing this? Nowadays, the hardest part is finding um, a committed partner. It takes two people and one horse. And so getting all three teammates to commit and train and make it to the starting line is really hard these days. Yeah, I can imagine. There's, That's what I was um, thinking with the hard part, coordinating everything. Yeah, when I first started them, you had a partner, and it was pretty much your partner for life, and you did all of them together and showed up together and shared the cost. And it got to the point where... People would say they would do it and then not show up. And then people are scrambling for partners at the last minute, um, which can cause chaos because mm-hmm. it really works better when you've all practiced together and trained together. Um, and then, of course, the cost of traveling now with a horse trailer is, is right. getting very, very tough. <laughs> yeah. And that I can see how that would help a lot where you have two people to share the costs of, you know, the horse and the entry and the, and the fuel and travel and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and we don't have riding ties, you know, around every corner. Most of them are a good, a good, you know, at least five-hour drive. The championship for me is always at least a two-day drive, so it does get it does get pretty um, tough. And here I was <laughs> right. thinking the hardest part, Karen, would be running a hundred yards. Uh, you know, <laughs> let alone twenty to hundred miles. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we have an upcoming 50th anniversary Ride and Tie World Championship. What can you tell us about that? Okay. Yeah, I, the 50th was supposed to be two years ago with COVID. Of course, it kept getting postponed. Uh-huh. Um, so we were having it this year up at Humboldt um, State Park, up in Humboldt, California. In Northern California. Uh, or I mean, I'm sorry, Northern California. <laughs> um and I believe the long course is going to be between 30 and 35 miles, and they will have a short course. Um, it's a beautiful campground with the horse corrals already in place and everything like that, and the trails there are beautiful. For somebody from Southern California, for me, it's pretty neat because even though you're there in the middle of the summer, it's cool. You're by the coast. Uh, it's got a little bit of fog. And, um, and they have lots of trees. <laughs> and lots, yeah, you almost feel like it's raining. It's so damp in there. And then you come out in the open and like, oh, the sun is shining. So we've had championships there before. Um, and it seems to, to lay out pretty nice for all the competitors. 
So we're hoping to get some of the old timers back. Right and Tide has been around for 50 years, and there's still competitors who are still able from way back when to come out and mm-hmm. and join us for the 50th. So that's going to be kind of exciting. And um, do you need volunteers? We would love to have volunteers. Okay. Um, usually the teams that come up bring their own family and stuff, and we start grabbing them for volunteers. But if, uh, if they would love to vo- come and volunteer, they can check out our website. It's uh, www.ride.com. And the word and tie, t i e dot org, and they can contact the race director who's Sequoia. Her name is Sequoia, and let her know that they would like to come volunteer or just come watch. It's always great to have a lot of people out there. It's hard to okay. watch while we're out on the trail, but the finish and the vet checks are very exciting. Right. Yes, I was going to ask if spectators are allowed. So good. They are allowed. It is hard though because we leave the starting line and we go away. <laughs> out on the trail and they come back through vet checks um, and then head back out and then the finish line. So it's, unless a spectator is, you know, very mobile, it's hard to see a lot of it. Right. Is this mostly a Western United States thing or is there some in the East as well? It started here in, in California, actually the San Francisco Bay area is where it started. And quite a few years ago, it started catching on on the East coast. And right now, their numbers, I believe, are larger than ours. They weren't as locked down as we were as far as the parks and the trails and all that. So they've continued through COVID having races, and we are just now coming back. Yeah, I'm so, looking at uh, at your calendar of events, and I saw there was, uh, there was a lot in Ocala. Like all, well, I live in Ocala, and, and uh, of course, all the endurance oh, okay. riders descend on Ocala, so it makes sense that you were having those here. Yeah, yeah, it really has grown on the East Coast in the last few years, but it, it started on it started in the Bay Area. I mean, when I started in '90, you know, we had five or six just within an hour of San Francisco. Now we have I'm having one in Southern California, and we have one in Northern California this year, and that's about it on the West Coast. Well, I know some of the AERC rides are starting to add on a ride in Thai. Yeah, we, we've kind of joined hands with AERC to help promote the sport and bring it back mm-hmm. to this area. And we thought the surest way would be for endurance riders to see us out there doing our thing and, you know, deciding to join us. Although it's easier to get a runner on a horse than to get a horse person on the ground running. Right. Exactly. I, I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah, I was reading about your Equathon event. Tell us about that because that can, you can do that with just one person. Yeah, in Equathon, um, you can do it a team or an iron person. And Sue Smythe actually started that years ago at her cool riding tie because she had friends that definitely didn't run, and she had horse, uh, you know, horse friends that didn't want to run, and she had runners who didn't want to get on a horse. So she decided to create the Equathon. And so what that is is one of the loops you start on the horse, and you just go out and ride the whole loop, kind of like an endurance type ride. And then when you come in and the horse vets down, which means their heart rate and their criteria are at a certain mark, then the runner just goes out and runs that course and comes in. So it's, it's kind of like a dual, duathlon <laughs> with a right, horse. Right, So you could use so two one people person can or do the both. Same. Okay, Pardon me? okay. No, go ahead and finish. Oh, I, I was say, so it's, so it's that way you can get a horse person and a runner together and share the event, but they're not out there sharing the horse. 
Okay, that makes, that makes a lot of sense, sense for yeah. for those kinds of people. Well, Great. I'm seeing well, so, events. I'm Karen. I'm looking at the calendar here, and I'm seeing Maryland and Virginia and Tennessee and just all over the place. <laughs> uh, it's rideintie.org. That's where you can find all the information. Thanks for stopping by and letting us know uh, how it all works. Thanks, Rufus, and all good right, well, luck. Thanks, you all right, thanks, you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you've been hearing about horseware all these years here on Horses in the Morning. We, I just went over to their website at horseware.com, and we talk a lot about their blankets and their sheets and their fly sheets and things like that, but their spring line of clothing is out. They actually sell a ton of clothing, and they have all kinds of new stuff out right now, and in polo tops and uh, rain gear, uh, t-shirts, all kinds of clothing, and, and a lot of it is is the special summertime fabrics that we love to wear here in the technical fabrics that we love to wear here in Florida. Otherwise, you die. Go check them out right now. I'm taking a look, and a lot of these are women's. As a matter of fact, most of them are women's that you're going to find here on the Horseware website. But they have all different price points. They have zip tops. They also have vests right now. They have really lightweight soft-shell jackets that are brand new and really stylish. These are all made for riders because it's Horseware. You know, they know about riders. Matter of fact, Tom, the guy who runs Horseware and who started Horseware, is a big endurance rider. And he rides all over Europe. I just see he's in Spain right now or somewhere riding endurance. He was in the last World Equestrian Games. So they're a company that actually understands riding. They understand riders. They understand that you have to have something, especially in endurance, that fits, that's not uncomfortable. So you can find all of that at horseware.com. Check out the new lines today. Coming up next, we have Susan, who is a regional director, Southeast Regional Director, and she's going to talk to us about the rides coming up in the Southeast region and what's happening in my neck of the woods. Hi, Susan. Thank you for joining us this morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and thank you for inviting me. Well, we've had people requesting um, more information on the Southeast region, which I know is one of the largest regions in the AARC. It's hugely popular. You've got a lot of the best rides there, covers several different states. So what can you tell us about the Southeast region? Well, you have covered all the high points <laughs> with what you said. Thank you very much. Yes, we're we're particularly proud of the fact that we've gone from I think the second smallest to the sometimes largest one in AERC, and mostly it's because of the regional of the smaller uh, organizations within the region who who bring in more folks and. Uh, uh, Southeastern Endurance Riders is, Association is probably the biggest, but we have several state organizations. And then in Florida, they have another Southeast organization that covers more than just Florida. So that's probably contributing contributed to the best to the reason we have grown so much. Uh, plus, of course, all the wonderful AERC members that we have in our region. And we have uh, so many folks that if they can't ride, they come volunteer at the ride. So it works out very well. Right. And how long is your typical ride season last? 
Well, that's another reason that we've grown is that we can ride year-round. However, usually there are no rides in July and August just because it, it is too extremely hot to have them. But uh, we do every once in a while have a couple that don't start until the sun goes down and uh, our moonlight ride. So we really have um, have year-round. However, most of the time, our ride season starts in, in uh, um, September and goes through June. And so I know you guys have, I was looking at the ride calendar and I was like, wow, look at all the rides. I'm so jealous because out West, we've been losing rides, you know, over time. It's really difficult to get permits and permission and the fees and stuff. Do you guys have to contend with some of those issues or, you know, what kind of trails and um, landowners do you guys have to contend with? Okay, we have a lot of... uh of uh, forest service rides and most of the time unless you get uh, a person that's over that particular section of trail um, is anti-horse we don't have any problems and most of the time they don't even have to pay a fee Uh, then we have uh, a bunch of local um local ride uh, or uh, landowners who are very nice to let us in once we prove that we're we're uh dedicated to taking care of their land and that kind of thing so um we don't have the problems you do out west i will say that for sure now the one we have we cannot have um competitive rides in in uh, national forests so we have to kind of get uh, um on the edges <laughs> okay so we, like the great smokies we're not allowed to have one in there which would be a fantastic place to have them however some of the other state forests that have mountains etc we are allowed so we go there And so I see you have several different types of events coming up. You've got uh, lots of limited distance. You've got hundreds, you know, rides like the Biltmore. You've got the Young Riders Championship. Is there anything you can tell us about what's going on, like with international riding and those types of rides? Well, uh, we only now, as far as I know, only have one uh, international ride left. I mean, where where is uh-huh. actually sanctioned FEI, and that's Boxton Bridge, and they still happen mainly because the um, person who who sanctions them is an international rider. Biltmore uh, stopped theirs uh, during the during the um, epidemic. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, the COVID stuff, and uh, it doesn't look like they're coming back to FEI. So, okay. um, I, and then of course we were disaffiliated by USEF 
the whole country, was, whole of uh-huh. AERC was. Now they're asking to come to get back together with us, but I don't know whether that will happen or not. And several of the more active folks have have quit because they aren't happy with the way things are going. So I'm not sure what will happen next. Well, where do you think we are headed with writers that want to write at that level? Well, I hate that they don't that they don't have more mm-hmm. places to go. And I have been an active member of AERC International since it started, just mainly because I really hoped that we could even build it up to a Olympic level before I found out the Olympics said, heck no, we're not going to put uh-huh. on any more horse events. They're too hard. So, or that's not what they said. They said they weren't going to put on anymore. They didn't give a real reason. So, so but anyway, I've still supported it. And I was a, a an FEI official for until they kicked me out because they said I was too old. Oh, no. So I don't really know where we're headed. My understanding, although I was not able to go to the AERC convention, that uh, um, USAF has approached us again to work with them, but uh, I don't know what will become of that. Mm -hmm. Right, because most of the international writers are down in your region. Yes, that's right. <laughs> they so are. So, how how uh, long have you been writing endurance yourself? Well, I I actually started in '78. Uh, I heard about it and I went to a ride and watched. And then I had a, one friend who was wanting to try it, so they I crewed for them the next year. And then in '80, I did my first ride, 1980, and I continued in that up until I broke my neck a few years ago and I decided maybe it was time to hang up my saddle. Mm-hmm. However, I've been going to rides ever since right. and, and and helping in some way, crewing or or timing or something like that. So I'm and still active a, in the sport. <laughs> tell us about your decade team horse. Oh, well that's uh, a Royal Runamere, although he was not when whenever you started it because he had not done consecutive rides since the AERC has got you to change that rule where it doesn't have to be consecutive. He no, I, actually, one. that was my rule. <laughs> I got them to change. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Well, good. I'm glad you did. Yes, because I realize anyway, life, inter- life interferes. People need right. to have a goal to come back. That I agree, and that horse was Royal Runamere. And uh, if we could have had, he was the best at multi days, but we had only one multi day ride in the East at all. Uh-huh. Now we have a couple of more, and I hope we will get more just because I think they are the best test of a horse anyway. But <laughs> that's my opinion. <laughs> that's, I kind of feel the same way. You know, the one day hundreds are also a great test, but they're done in a day. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> and, and I never thought I would do one until way back when the Good. race of champions uh-huh. came, mm-hmm. came around and I, I wanted to go, go ride in that, not just attend. So, I 
finally got qualified, and yes. and, um, and Amir did a whole bunch of hundreds. Good, good. Well, do, I think do I you, finished 39 of them, I think. That's oh, that's I'm, quite a I few. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know you had to have 500s and so many top 10s in order to qualify for the race of champions. Yes, that's correct. Yes. So since you've done so much writing in the Southeast and volunteering, what advice do you have for somebody that is in your region or is riding at a ride where it's hot and humid? Oh, well, okay, electrolytes, electrolytes. <laughs> That's my main thing. And and when I started, we didn't have, we didn't know what they were. In fact, the first time I saw anybody using them, I said, what's that pink stuff you're putting in your in your water? And uh, so they told me. And I, then, of course, I had heard of something about electrolytes for humans. So the next ride, I tried them, but I put them in straight in the water instead of a syringe, and then the horse wouldn't drink water. So, <laughs> so I was doubly messing him up or her up, whichever uh-huh. one I was riding at the time. So anyway, but that's my main thing, and and be pre- prepare yourself. Don't don't uh, let yourself get dehydrated. In fact, I laugh because one uh, one riding ranger used to say at the meeting, "If you're not going to the bathroom, you're not drinking enough." So, so that would be the other thing is to keep the person hydrated also, and 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 if you live in the southeast, you're okay because you know what it's like. It can be like, but if you don't, and you're coming from a region that's not that humid then you need to really prepare yourself and your horse and be prepared to slow down if necessary. I've always said that, of course, Mm -hmm. for any region, but uh, that's my main thing. Exactly, exactly. Was there anything else going on in the Southeast region you want to share with us? Well, I think you pretty much mentioned we've had, over time, we've had uh, uh, several uh, clinics that some of them have been well attended and some of them hadn't. We get we get it. It seems to be the more um, publicity you put out, the better your turnout. And mm-hmm. so um, we we try to work with ride managers if they're willing to even have like a mini clinic at their ride. That seems to be the easiest way to get folks in. And then we have in the southeast been the best i think at keeping a new rider briefing at most of our rides so that somebody that's starting out gets some extra help right right and i see many of the rides are offering intro rides now yes they are uh, <laughs> uh, i'm astounded at what people will pay to come and ride an intro ride <laughs> all over the country so so we didn't, of course, have anything like that back when back in I the day. Uh, we uh-huh. didn't have much of anything back when I started. I, I'm forever grateful to the folks that started AERC because they had the foresight to see that that this would be a sport that could be for anybody mm-hmm. and any horse that you just want to ride appropriately and you can get through. I just want to thank you again for joining us and sharing a little bit of information about your region. 
Okay, we're we're awful friendly down here, so I hope everybody that wants to will come try us. And my favorite hoof boot that I've been using for, gosh, decades now is Renegade Hoof Boots. They are made in Arizona and come in several different colors with a couple of different boot models. I have been just thrilled with how well they have worked for all of my horses for so many years. I've done every kind of distance in them all the way up to multi-day rides and hundreds, including Tevis and the strap-on boot. I've also used their glue-on boots, which are also another great option. And they're, I'm getting the boots working now on these newer horses that I'm using and they're working out just, I mean, I'm just tickled. They're working so well. They're easy to use. I, you know, get my juniors or new riders with me and they quickly figure them out because they are so simple. They're easy to use. They are are not difficult to put on or take off. So if you want to learn more about Renegade Hoof Boots, go to renegadehoofboot.com. And we have some upcoming events, right? Yes, we do. It looks like the AARC office is going to be offering a mini convention for May 1st. It will be a day of Zoom presentations. They're going to have uh, Q&A time, raffles. If you want to enter that, go to the AARC.org page for members. It's $60. Non-members can also attend. It's $70 for non-members. All registrations will include two raffle tickets and a, pro- a surprise prize. Also, the Old Dominion has got their YouTube channel up. We talked to them a month or two ago about some of their free seminars that they are offering. You can go there onto YouTube and we'll post the link for that or search for Old Dominion Equestrian Endurance Organization. Also, if you're at the AERC.org site, be sure to check out the ride calendar and look for rides near you or, you know, not just to ride, but to go and volunteer. We would love to have you come and volunteer. Very good. And, of course, you can find all the past episodes of the Endurance episode. Just go to horsesinthemorning.com, scroll down to the middle of the page. You're going to see a little banner for Endurance. Click on that, and it brings you to all nine years' worth. It's got to be that Yes, long. yeah. It really does. Well, thank you, Karen, for hanging in this long and continuing to do it. You, I, Think about all the different changes in your life since you started doing this show. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, and it seems it's gone by so fast. It, it's crazy. It is just nuts. So uh, that's where you can find all the past episodes of Endurance all in one place. You can find Karen at? Uh, just look for me on NV Endurance Writer. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All right, and all you can find all of the past, or you can find all of the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. We also have our own app. If you want to download an exclusive app just for all the Horse Radio Network shows, I think there's 21 of them now, you can just search for Horse Radio Network, iOS or Android. And of course, we're here five days a week. I'll be back tomorrow with Jamie for a usual Wednesday episode, so look for us then. We have a couple of great guests booked, and I think you're going to enjoy tomorrow's episode, so we look forward to you coming back. Auditors, hold on. We will uh, hang around and just chat for a little bit in the post show. We have to hear about this thing that happened to your horse. We're going to do that. <laughs> We're going to do that in the post show. Thanks, Karen. 